Robot Dice and Explosion Podcast, episode four. I'm Ben. I'm Ollie. And last time we spoke a little bit about the UK Games Expo, and it was mostly around Bushido. Yeah, pretty much exclusively it was, around it, Bushido. It was what happened with Bushido while we were there. Yeah, so uh, you, this time around, didn't take part in the Bushido tournament. No. So you spent most of your time there uh, wandering I board the halls. Yeah. Pretty much all weekend I played board games. Yeah. And yet, when you look at the list of games I played, it's not actually that many. Okay. Um, Is these the ones you remember, of course? Yes, yeah. there's another couple which I can't remember. Um, there's also a game we, we tried to play but never found a spot to do. Oh, okay, sure. I forgot what it is. It's the, you grow trees. Uh, I know the one. I can't remember the name. No, and but there was like three spaces for it in that booth for the entire expo. And every time we walked past, all three were filled. <sighs> so I guess it's a good game. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. We did not get to try it. So what we're going to do is talk a little bit about uh, the games that you played. Uh, mostly you're going to talk at me about them, I imagine. Yep. Um, what I will say is uh, I am being beaten up by hay fever, so I'm probably going to be sniffling throughout the whole thing, so I'm just going to apologise right now. Um, so yeah, now that's out of the way. Uh, so tell me about the games you played. Right, so I think I sort of vaguely categorised them. Okay. So we played some smaller games. Um, we didn't actually buy many games. I only bought two games. One of the games I bought is Pixit. Okay. I think you tried that in the evening, or so, or some some of us. I <coughs> showed it to other people. You, is this the dice game? Yeah, except sort of. Yeah. yeah. So you basically have twelve dice, sixteen, sixteen dice, mm -hmm. with a combination of black and white squares on them. Um, the game gives you two sets, and the, you then also get cards with a pattern on uh -huh. you roll the dice and then you make the pattern the idea is you compete with each other and whoever does it first goes stop you then score points equal to the amount of dice your opponent hasn't placed okay so when you roll the dice it's just to randomize them you don't have to use the facing you're allowed to turn the dice it's just so you can't pre-sort the dice okay okay Sure. Okay. So yeah, you you can turn them around. So essentially, what the game is is you draw a card. It has a, a, a pattern. pattern on it, and you have to make that pattern with the yes. patterns that exist on the dice yes. already. And that's it. Yeah, you are you are you are allowed to invert it. Okay. So if you want to do the blacks as white and vice versa, that's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, my, that sounds like making it harder for me. My wife did that on, on the first attempt. I was looking at it, and go like, <laughs> what? None of this makes any sense to me, but it worked for her. So it's one yeah. of those things that probably depends on how your brain works. Yeah. So um, we got it signed. Cool. Because we were playing the designer was demoing it to us, and we bought it. And I was like, he's like, do you want to sign? Sure. Sure. Why not? Um, so um, and I think it was only like thirteen pounds or something like that. Cool. Um, quite fun little game. Actually, fairly recommendable. I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'll play it at some point. I didn't. I was. I think I was like one of the two people who didn't play it back at the Airbnb that night. Yeah. Well, it was. It. I mean, it's, it's a filler game. It's a filler game. Yeah. But as filler games go, it's fairly fairly good. They were doing it. He had, he had a time trial on of one pattern over the weekend. Yeah. When I tried it, um, hey, it was super stressful to do it on time. Yeah, I bet. Like so, you you end up like stumbling and, and dropping dice just because you're rushed. Um, so I did it in about a minute and fifty one. Okay, that uh, sounds quick. That I, that felt pretty quick. So the top time 
uh, bear in mind this was Saturday, so there was a whole other day to go, yeah. was 123. Okay. So I only needed to, you know, take out like a quarter of my time. Yeah. Doable. <laughs> if I spend the rest of the expo practicing, probably. Yeah, but of course, at that point, you can't go back and have another go. It's that, that's that you're done. Well, I think <clears throat> I think I don't think he, he would have cared if I'd come back later. Um, I probably could, but yeah, I know it was just like <laughs> it was. It was interesting to see how it stacked up. Yeah. I didn't even get into the top ten. Yeah, sure. So, um. We also played another, not quite the same style, but similar, uh, Corridor and uh, Pylos, which are also sort of physical-based games. Okay. So Corridor is basically, you have a pawn, you, you have a pawn, and the objective is to move it across the board to your opponent's baseline. It looks a little bit like a chessboard, with the tiles on. But there is um, like a trench around every tile. Okay. Because you also have walls that you can then place on the board to cover movements. You you do an action, your opponent does an action, so on and so forth. So the whole goal is to use the walls to block your opponent while getting your own meeple across. All right, okay. Um, okay, sure. It was actually quite interesting. You can't lock in on your opponent's meeple like you have to have a viable path right but it doesn't have to be a very efficient path so it's just about slowing them down yes. not an exercise and just frustrating them yes um, that's good I think yeah no, that, that that was quite fun I don't know if if you play it more there might be an optimal way of doing it sure that tends to be with these kinds of games you sort of solve the puzzle and then I mean it's chess like in that way that you can probably have set gambits hmm I, we, we played a handful of times. Sure. Because it's really quick. Yeah. Um, Pylos seems... Uh, in that you're building pyramids. This is Pylos. Oh, okay. So P-Y-L-O-S? Yes. Okay. Um, but you're doing it with um, like more balls. So you, you, you'll, you'll build a layer at the bottom and then you'll stack them on top. So when you have four balls next to each other, you can put a ball on top. Right. Okay. The goal is to... Place the last one. Okay. Um, and then there are some rules where you can take them off again, and if they're locked in, you can't. And if you get, if you get four, if you get a square of them, basically that are all yours, you can take two off again, and so on and so forth. So there is a lot of maneuvering back and forth and trying to get your opponents to give you an advantage position. Yeah. Um, but that feels one where more it is possible than once you play to the bunch. There is a way where this is how you win. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's the case because, again, we played it a couple of times. But it feels more like a little bit like when when you get into a pattern and your opponent have to do this to counter you and that means that he get trapped in down a path and then you go like, well, I now have a massive advantage. Right, sure. And there's no sort of way of you pulling that back? It's, or it's like built in? No. I mean, the building is like, oh, well, I got four, so I get to take two off, and so on. Yeah. So that might be the case. I don't know. It, you you need to analyze it and do a bunch of testing on that. I don't know if that's the case. Sure. Um, and then we replayed them. Um, we played Quirkle. Yeah. Giant Quirkle. Giant Quirkle. So just Quirkle, but bigger. Yes. Right. Yes. They had they had several giant versions. There was also a giant version of Ticket to Ride and a giant version of Pandemic and stuff, which yeah, was was quite funny. Yeah. We did not play any of the the. 
other giant versions. To, to be fair, it, it was just the game with with big yes, things. You've, well, you and I have probably played those games before. Yes, like enough times that maybe. Yes. Although Ticket to Ride, I've actually only played about three times. But uh, it was the Euro one. I've played that once. Um, I think at its base, that's the best one. That's the one with the tunnels, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Although there is, I think it's the Asian one, which is played in, in pairs. Oh, okay. It's a really fun couple game. Because they've just brought out a new Ticket to Ride, which is like a much quicker game. Yes. It's New York Subways, I, I think. I think it is. Yeah. 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 Just, just to divert the, the couple's one. So you're playing together. You're only using one color each, but you have separate hands, and then you have a shared stand in front of you where you can place some cards. Oh, that's interesting. And you also have separate tickets, and you don't tell your partner where your ticket goes directly. So you can go like, "Well, I'm thinking about going that way. That seems good." Stuff like yeah. that. Um, we played it a couple of times where we've been like literally couples, and that's been quite fun. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I can see how that would be. Sort of interesting communication dynamic yeah. going on there. Um, will sometimes lead to some friction yes. when when you your partner does something where you're like, "So you just ruined the game, right?" You, you do know that, <laughs> don't you know me? <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, there were there were those. It was yeah. So that so that was good. That those were sort of the more physical games we played. Yeah. Um. Just to jump something completely non we also played a bunch of uh, uh, Asmodee stand. Yeah, Asmodee stands were a couple of uh, steam machines and a bunch of tablets. That was it. Yeah, I walked past that at one point when I was having a stroll around on mm. the Sunday, and there was a very uh, loud voiceover going on. I think it was in Blood Rage. Yeah, so you so he had. No, that can't have been. No, it wasn't. Asmodee. That must be someone else. Yeah, the Asmodee had terraforming Mars. And Scythe running on their computers okay. because you can the are beta testing them on Steam at the moment. I think. Yeah. Um, seemed good. I did not stay to play a whole game because sure both games take quite a long time to play, and I did not think that standing and playing on a computer for an hour and a half was a good use of my time. And they're both they're both games that you've played a fair bit. So yeah, you, I, you I, I, I much I, like the big games. I own both games is, yeah. as the normal copy, so I might pick them up on Steam just because you can then play it single. Oh, so there is AI. There is AI in them, question. as far as I could tell. I only just had a look at the interfaces, basically. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've, I've often been quoted as saying, like, I've often been quoted. Mm. People quote me all the time. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've said many times that I don't really get solo modes in board games. Because I don't want, if I'm on my own, I don't want to go through the rigmarole of setting everything up just to play on my own. I'll go and play something on the computer. Yeah, because then the computer does all of the setup. So that's like the use case for Scythe for me or, or for... Table, tabletop Mars. Simulator does a similar thing. Yeah. I actually I actually have installed that because I wanted to play um, Twilight Imperium, which we'll probably come back to at some point. Yes, um, that's the whole thing. But finding a day where I'm off, I'm not supposed to do anything else, and I can get another five people in my time zone-ish to play that... Uh, these things it's, get harder and harder. It's something do. I have not tried yet. Yeah. Um, but that was actually that's, but that basically does pretty much all of the setup for you. Yeah, and it's, I think also for me, like one of the things I really like about board games is the social side of it. Yes. The being across the yeah. board from your mate and mm. uh, 
either winding each other up or working together or whatever it is. There's just like an interaction there. Whereas when it's solo, I don't get the point. On the computer, maybe a little bit more. It's a bit more like playing Civ or something. Yeah, something well, like I mean, if with something like Final Imperium, you have to do voice chat with people because that game is... Oh, clearly. That yeah. game is all about talking to everyone. Yeah. So that would be interesting. But again, I've not gotten around to try it. I can definitely understand that there'd be people for whom that would be amazing because maybe they... You know, they're away with work or whatever mm. and they can't get to their regular board game like that. That would be really awesome. Like you've got to persuade everyone to buy the damn thing. But That was fairly cheap and most of the games themselves are free. Oh, okay. I think. So you don't buy... Because someone has just made all the art for it. Oh, so you're talking about Tabletop Simulator. Tabletop Simulator, yes. Okay. I was thinking about... Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. If you do something like side, you, everyone has to buy the game. I was thinking Tabletop oh, okay. Simulator. I mean, with, with the Steam thing, quite, for quite a long time, they've done bundles of... Yeah. You know, if you get four copies, then you save a yeah, yeah. amount of money. So maybe they'll end up doing that sort of thing. They may well do it. I could yeah. get the Steam store up, but I'm not going to do no, that. No, I, no. It's, if, it, if it works for you, check it out. Um, I mean, it could also just be that you don't know anyone that's interested in those types of games. So doing that is your chance to play it. Yeah. I mean, the only time I've ever really done this is with uh, Blood Bowl. And yes. What it made me realise is that for me, Blood Bowl online doesn't really work. Even if people aren't quitting when you get two touchdowns on them, that's not what Blood Bowl's for. It takes too damn long. And unless you're socialising with someone at the same time, I'm sort of out. I used to play a lot on Fumble. Ah, okay. Which just does uh, has a Java version of it, basically. Yeah, I, I, um, I toyed with it. I used to play a lot um, with fun things. I used to play. I had a, because you didn't sign up for leagues and stuff, and I had yeah. a. I had a pro elf team with a one-time touchdown scorer who is literally only on the pitch if you're receiving because otherwise he will die. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Like, as all elves who have been upgraded should. <laughs> he is like, oh, am I, am I receiving? Okay. Uh, do I need him? Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll put him on. Oh, am I kicking? Well, he's never seen the pitch then. Yeah, no way. Because he will be fouled every single time he's on the floor. Yeah. And I he would... will be on the floor every time. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a one-term touchdown scorer and he needs to die. I mean, it's simple. Um, he also had a bunch of their apps, app games, to return to what we actually okay. were supposed to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we played like Potion Explosion and stuff like that. Okay. Which yeah. is actually quite neat on the app. Looks pretty. Okay. It's fun. Does take some of the. I mean, it is quite fun to f- mess around with the um, marbles and stuff. Yeah. But there's a tactile thing to get. Yeah. Into a lot of the yeah. Time. Also, half of the half the rule book for that game is here's how you put the cardboard insert that holds the marbles together. <laughs> that is most of the rule book. Fair play. Um, yeah. So, what else did you uh, get up to? Right. So we then played. Oh, this was quite fun. Crystal Hall. Okay. I think it's there's a new game. We played with the designer. Um. So you basically play wizards, and you are. You're, you're basically trying to... You're, you're in a big hall and there is a bunch of tiles in the middle that are face down. Mm-hmm. And you can then advance. You have a set number of actions. And then advance. Turn them over. Which, if you step on them, stand on them. And you will have things like spells or nothing or crystals and so on. And the idea is you need to get crystals but you need to finish your turn there. But you can also cast some of the spells you get. Okay. And there's also portals and things that will kill you and so on and so forth. You have four wizards... Go. Okay. It's, quite, it's quite good fun. It's, it's a kids' game, I think mostly. Sure. Um, but we had we had quite a lot of fun with that. Um, it's fairly simple. Sure, but, but that's fine. There was weird things like so you you cast the spells for free, I think, 
Uh, you can only have a certain number of spells, but you're probably going to want to cast your spell, the spell you picked up yeah. pretty much all the time. One of my favorites is like Earthquake. You roll a die, and every miniature moves in that direction. Okay. Because you, so if your opponent, one of you, the other players, have moved on to a crystal and waiting to go on to pick it up, you're going, I'll move everyone now. You can also push people. Yeah. So there was actually quite a lot of play, but it was fairly simple and it was fairly quick and it was quite interactive in a non-malicious way. Yeah. It didn't feel malicious. Messing with people, but maybe not murdering them sort of thing. Yeah. So you're not taking people out of the game. Yeah. Also because like, yeah, it was like, oh, I didn't get that crystal, but it doesn't feel like, oh, you've now ruined my game. Sure. Which is quite an important thing because there are definitely games where you do something to another player and they're like, well, now there's no point in me playing. Yeah. I, did, I mean, there's, there's a whole topic there about kids' games and introducing kids to the world of games and how to, I don't know, how you teach them that it's okay to lose. Uh, someone's out the door, so I'm going to pause it. Yeah, I mean, it for, with, with kids, like, hey, you should teach them that, well, you're supposed to win. Yeah. But it, it should not just, like, you need to be okay with not winning. Yeah, it, I think that's a really hard thing for kids to learn as um, well. I mean, I seem to remember, because I, I played, me and my sister played a lot of board games with my parents, and I think the way we handled that was that, um, well, sometimes you lose. Yeah. I'm not sure, I don't know if there's a great way of introducing the concept, so to speak. I, I wonder if you start by going with cooperative games. So you teach them about how to play together. We never, we never do that, but that's also because there weren't that many cooperative games when we were. Well, I was going to say thirty years ago when I was playing board games as a tiny kid with my parents, there weren't that many cooperative games around. Yeah. Um. So I don't think that option was there. Played lots of card games and stuff as well. Played some corporate. Well, we used to play a lot. uh, Canasta. So it's a team card game. Okay. So you play two. V2. So they, you have to cooperate there, but then you're playing against the other team and, and stuff okay. like that. Yeah, I wonder if it's a combination of, of all these things. I, and, and also maybe elimination games are probably something you steer away from completely. Yes. That, well, there's not, nothing more tedious than going like, oh, I'm out. You still, you guys still got more than an hour to go. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Game of Thrones. I love that game. But if you're the first person out, it, it does kind of suck. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Yeah, there's several games like that. Um, right. We played... Oh, the other demo we tried uh-huh. before we get to the games we got out of the board game library, mm-hmm. which seemed good. Fuck Up Love? Yep. Which is, strictly speaking, just a two-people game. You yeah. can play it in teams where you have people talking about it all. Um, this has received lots of praise. There's been quite a lot of buzz around it. Yeah, yeah. Um... It, I mean, it is. It's easy to see why because it's pretty much completely unique, as far as I can tell. I've never played anything else like it. Yeah. So the idea is you you role you role play a relationship basically. Yeah. So it's a really interesting idea. You start by making the characters, and this is this is quite important because it is emphatically not you. Yeah. That's this 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 needs to, need to remember. this needs to be clear. <laughs> Otherwise, especially if you're playing it with your partner, there will be problems. Like when you, one of the cards I, so you get cards you can play. And one of the cards I drew was, so I've had an affair with your best friend. Yeah. 
Um, unless you're quite clear that this is a role-playing game-ish, that card, for instance, might create trouble. Yeah, or if you have actually done that and somehow you've got past it, but one yeah. person's maybe not yeah, quite past it. It's probably yeah. not a very fun... I mean, I mean, that card was interesting enough, I seem to remember, that card was actually meant to be kept and stay secret. It's uh-huh. like you'd get some bonuses for it not being played and stuff. Interesting. Um, but so, you know, you basically you create your characters and you create like, oh, well, this is my job. And then your, your partner gives you some noteworthy features and so on and so forth. Um, but the idea is you have a set of characteristics. Um, inquisitiveness, extroverty, trustworthiness. Those might not actually be there. There, there is six of them. You have colors and symbols. Sure. Okay. I can't remember the names. We played it for like 20 minutes. And it has been a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but so you have goals. So you, you, you have a hand of different goals, um, which is where the relationship might end up. Okay. So you try to, and they will have, there's, there's a couple of different goal cards, but it's, it's, you will try to engineer set states for these uh, attributes. Mm-hmm. So some of them are like, you need four or more inquisitiveness and minus three of this and or some of them are shared as well and so you you the way the game works is you take turns playing uh, an event card okay and the event card will do something so that was the oh I slept with your best friend then you either your partner or both of you react to that card and the reactions is you have a stack of poker chips with A B C or D on which corresponds to the the options on the card right and sometimes you both play a chip and then you flip it over to see what it is. Sometimes it's just your partner. Sure. And based on what you play or what, what you played, things will change. Your happiness might go up. It might affect some attributes and so on and so forth. Like, oh, breakfast in bed. What would you like? So you, you put a chip down for what would you actually like out of this? And your partner goes like, well, this is what I'm giving you. So if you both pick the same, your happiness goes up more. Okay. So, on and so, so that's basically how the game works. Yeah, I remember you explaining this to me, and yeah, I, I, I see the game in it. Like initially, I just thought this seems like a really weird thing to be doing. It, it is. It is a little odd, but it's actually quite interesting. And I mean, I played it with my wife. Um, we had a lot of fun with that, actually. Um, but we clearly ended up with characters that weren't, weren't us. Yeah. Sure. I mean, very, I, very, that might be an important thing. Very quickly. But we also had a couple of things where we, um, we, we, we played, we played it and there was, there was definitely, obviously, a, definitely a couple of options where we picked something based on us, where the options were like, well, clearly I'm going to go That's for that That's what one. I would do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it didn't seem to matter. And then there were some other ones where we clearly went like, well, so this character is clearly doing this kind of thing because I piled a ton of tokens into one attribute. And you can see what the modification will be. And I suppose with your goals, it also it's almost like forcing the role play. Yeah, because obviously lots of role playing games don't necessarily require you to, to role play. To role play, it's it's, o- it's, o- it's optional. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Whereas this is putting a mechanic yeah, and, behind it. And I mean, you can argue if it's role playing, just picking different options. But there will also be some talk around it. Then yeah, sure. there are some casts that does do things like that, and so on and so forth. So that was actually really good. Okay. We didn't buy it in the end, but I definitely you think you might. Possibly. 
Um, I mean, the main reason we didn't buy was that he, he was selling it with the expansions there, and it was a couple of big boxes and was seventy quid, and we were like, mm. I mean, production-wise, it's totally worth it. Yeah, it looks it, really nice. It's a lovely game. Production values are really good. It feels really nice. I just don't because we, despite both of us playing lots of games, we're not actually very good at sitting down to play board games when it's just us. Yeah, and I think that's maybe one of the things about Fog of Love is it's one. Well, it's, sorry, it's two player. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So, but on the other hand, it might be quite good for. Could be good for something like we do our regular board game nights sort of friends, where there's an unknown group of us. Yeah. And sometimes you might go like, "Oh, actually, here's a good game for two people that takes a reasonable that is not super quick, because a lot of two player games are very quick." Which means that if you if there is seven of you and five want to play something and then you two are left, well, then you might end up having to play a bunch of this or something. Whereas this yeah. takes it's not that long, but it takes a reasonable amount of time. So you could do do it that way. So maybe in the future, but maybe I'd, I'd be interested to know what the what effect the theme has on it being used as that kind of pickup game between a couple of people who. Maybe aren't quite strangers, mm. but only know each other through the person hosting. Yeah, or something like that. It'd be interesting to sort of see. Well, that so I've I've seen lots of different opinions on if you should play it with your significant other or not. Yeah, well, I think that entirely depends on your relationship. Yes, I think it, it basically comes down to that. Yeah. Do you have a? Yeah, it's like, well, what what is it? Do you think this would be fun for you? Mm. Well, probably be fine then. If you think it might cause problems, it really shouldn't. Yeah. Like that just seems unnecessary. Just be sensible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Um, so, what else have you got written down here? Well, I got we 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 played two games out of the board game library, mm-hmm. Dream Factory, which is you running a movie studio, and you go along and you bid on movie stars and directors and special effects and stuff, and then you have a list of movies and you have to fit those in. Okay. Um, bidding mechanic is interesting. You each everyone starts with the same amount of money. Um, you then take turns bidding. It's an auction. Yeah. And the person who wins, that money is distributed between all the other players. All right. Okay. So the money will change hands. Like, the money money does not go out of the game. Yeah. They stay in. It just means that if you spend a lot of money, well, all your competitors now have more money. Yeah. So it's sort of inherently sort of balancing. Yeah. Sort of rubber banding thing yeah. going on. Okay. It was okay. Um, how many are, people did you play it with? We, we, we only played it two. Oh, okay. So it was very back and forth. Yeah. It's like, oh, you spend you spend all of your money. Oh, I should bid three thousand for this because you only have two. That sounds like something that would really benefit from three or more. Yeah. Because you've got that. that yeah, it, 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 it takes the less. Oh, you only got two thousand left. Three. I guess that one's mine. Yeah. Oh, exactly. oh, look, I have all of the money. The next one, you still only have five. I'll bid six for the next one. Yeah. It, it stops the whole. I can get two or three things for quote unquote free. Yeah. Before the money is back on a, on a reasonable level. Interesting, though. It was okay. The theme... Okay. I, I, I didn't care about the theme. Sure. But, um, the game was actually reasonable. It didn't take very long, either. You go along a board. It shows you what it is. Then there's some parties where you can get stars and stuff. Okay. Um, and then you have to try and complete the movies. And there's awards for making the best movie or the worst movie. And... Being the first to do a particular kind of movie and stuff like that, and then you tally up points at the end. Okay. Cool. So each of you, you're not just bidding for something which is going to give you a score. You're bidding for something which can 
make you go towards a specific goal. Well, I mean, you have a drama, a comedy, and an action movie. I think it is. And the, can... the only three kind of movies. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, so those are the kinds of movies, basically. And then you, you try to complete them. And then there's points for the best comedy, points for the best drama, points for the best action movie, so on and so forth. So you want to try and vary. And okay. Each movie will have, that's like the, have a board that you need to fill up. Some of them will be open. You can also just buy generic contracts to fill out, but you will not be as necessarily as good. You won't have as many stars on them as something else, for instance. So, okay. it, so a movie might only require a director, a script, and two actors to finish. Or maybe it requires that, and music, and CGI, and something else. And well, that sounds interesting. So, and obviously, the more things you can put into the movie, the more stars it will have, which affect your score. Right. Okay, that sounds like I'd give that a go. It was actually quite good fun. Um, as I said, I wasn't particularly bothered about the theme. Yeah, but it was, game mechanic wise, it was reasonably okay. Yeah, sounds like I'd, decent I'd, window dressing for the theme. Though, uh, yeah, oh, sorry yeah. for the mechanic. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play it again. Okay. Um, unlike the last game. Well, okay. So the last game that you played was Firefly. Okay, so we're going to come back to that because I know that you want to have a grumble. I'm just going to quickly mention that. Um, a friend of mine that I know through work. Uh, oh, yes, yes. He went to UK Games Expo, I think potentially for the first time, to playtest his game. It sounded like him when we ran into him. Yeah. <laughs> Shitting himself, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't blame him. Um, it's a bit, a bit daunting. But the game's called Dead Drop. Yeah. Um, and look him up on Twitter and so on. Um, I'll put links in the show notes. But uh, yeah, so he, he had a good day playtesting that. I mean, we playtested it before it got to the stage it's at now. And yeah. You know, we thought that it had there was a, there was definitely that was a definitely game that was there, definitely promise in that um, that he just needed to work it a little bit more, and obviously this uh, turns out making games are hard. <laughs> yeah, it turns out iteration, <laughs> um, and it sounds like he got some good feedback from the playtesting and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I wanted to mention that as something for people to look out for. Yeah, and uh, I think we're going to have him on the podcast at some point because he's he's a an, no, not an illustrator. It's like a a designer or he, designer? he works in like graphic design yeah. branding and things like okay. that and so I think he's got some thoughts about accessibility and that sort of yeah, stuff that could be so interesting. it would be yeah. very interesting to discuss that with him uh, right so back to Firefly um, for Firefly we've brought in Adam hello who's been sitting here patiently the last <laughs> whatever 10, ten minutes, minutes since that doorbell yeah. went um, because you also played Firefly didn't you I did, yes. yes, and I probably have a very similar opinion to you all <laughs> well, on this one. We, we should caveat a bit. <laughs> so we took Firefly out of the board game library on the Sunday. Yep. Uh, there was three of us. Neither of us had played it before. So I read the rules while we were setting up the board. Mm-hmm. And we picked the, the suggested starter mission and tried to do bits of that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's been played down at the club. A uh, small, ha- a handful of times. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. And lots of people have been quite enthusiastic about it. There, this is one of those things where I wonder. Have, I've not played it, um, but I wonder whether the theme overrides the mechanics to a certain extent because people love Firefly. Um, yes. So I wonder if that comes into it a little bit. I I imagine it does because I was not impressed with playing the game. No, I think part of the trouble is it's it's kind of a race style game. So you're racing your opponents to get to the end quest, essentially. Yes. At which point you can then attempt to achieve it 
Um, but it's more of a marathon than a, a, a sprint. sprint. Okay. So it's by the time anyone's close to getting towards that end goal, everyone's rooting for them to achieve it. Just, just, just finish the bloody game. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like, it's, with, without saying that it's Firefly, that reminds me, you could, you could be talking about Relic, which is the okay. 40k talisman mm. game. Yes. Um, where... I don't know, obviously the mechanics are very different, but that's an exercise that different in just, really? you're just mm. trying to level up for about two hours before one of you goes, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to have a go. Yeah. And then you die, and everyone's like, oh. I guess, I guess we have another armour of this then. The first 45 minutes of that game, great fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you are exploring and trying, yeah. so I mean, yeah. ultimately, Firefly is, so you are piloting a Firefly. You have a captain. Okay. That you start with a captain and some fuel and some spare bits. Okay. And some cargo space. And ultimately, the game is about traveling around uh, the galaxy. Well, this area this is space. Space. system, but yeah. Well, well, uh, not the soul system. No. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing contracts. So it's sort of a trading game. Except there's not really any trading aspect to the trading game. No. I, at least we didn't find is that. Is it a series of fetch quests? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it, you're you're literally trying to go around to get the things that you need to be able to do other quests that will get you more of the money that will help you get to the end quest. Yeah, and it's a bit like I mean, it's might it might as well be snakes and ladders because you, you might as well be rolling dice <laughs> to go up the ladders and down the snakes because otherwise you're just moving a step, taking a card, seeing if it's going to push you back or stop you or yeah. slow you down or make you discard all your cargo or something, and then you know you just drawing these cards through these decks and so moving up and around this board but there's almost zero interaction with the other players so and it sounds like yeah so let's say you decide that you want to start smuggling stuff because i know that's a thing in yes the game, and uh because it's high risk but high reward is it purely like you draw a card and see what happens with that or can you spec in the in the direction of so something? there's a couple of things you can do a, there is a Reaver, Ravager, whatever the the bad people are called. He's second guessing it now. I was it's one. Of, Reavers, it's, it's one. Of, I think it's Reavers. Yeah. There's a Reaver yeah. ship on the board which hunts the perimeter of the board. Okay. And there is Admiral, whatever his name is. Yeah. There's a Confederation sh- ship, Alliance ship. Yes. Mixing up all of the. It's been a long time since I've watched uh, <laughs> yes. Firefly or something. Who, who, who flies around the intersection yeah. of the board? And a bunch of the cards will let your opponent move one of those ships. One square. Or one square. Yeah. Okay. So you can sort of try to menace the other players. But it only works if they are actually doing something that's worth being menaced about. So, for instance, the Alliance Cruiser will not touch you if you don't have any illegal stuff on your ship anyway. Sure. Okay. So as long as you're not doing anything illegal, you can just ignore the bloody thing. Okay. You will also... When you do contracts that are four or five, like, bosses you can do contracts for. Okay. And once you've done a contract, you're in good standing with them, which gives you a bonus. So, for instance, if you are in good standing with the Alliance, they will not inspect your ship. Right. Okay. So, so you could do some Alliance... Uh, fetch quests uh, fetch quests, uh, and then go, now I'm going to start smuggling shit, because there's more reward for that. And I'm good. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it, I think that it, it might then go away. But yeah. Oh, okay. So, so but, but yeah, it gives you sort of a get out of jail free card, and some of the other ones will give you different kinds of rewards okay. and stuff. But um, so yeah, it's basically like you need 
each quest, which is effectively what the job cards are, yes. the quests, uh, have uh, prerequisites, which will be skills or equipment or things like that. So you there's a s- three, four different skills, something like that. Charisma, combat, engineering. Yeah, three, I think. I think it's just, just those like three. items that you need to have. Yeah, so. you can then get items that will give you extra points in those skills. And you can also pick up um, crew. Hmm. Um, if you pick up crew, you have to be paid when you complete jobs, so you will not actually get all of the money the job says you will, because your crew will eat some of it. Well, sure, that seems fine. Which is fine, but it, it again, it's it slows you down. Yeah. Um, but you need the crew, because otherwise you can't do the jobs. So. And so, explain to me what the, the final thing that you do is, right, or at least it, in the one that you played. Right, well, we, we only attempted the first out of three, after like an hour and a half. Yep, okay. Um, which was effectively you need to do a charisma check so the, the way checks works is basically you roll a die you add your skill to that die roll uh-huh. and that's the target number you hit okay, sure. so the the first one was you needed to get something like 9 plus and to pay $5,000 and then you complete the first one okay so it's a gate really isn't it yeah with a little bit of chance so what was the window dressing for it though what was the set dressing I cannot remember we, we, because because I interacted with it once and the rest of the time we were just desperately trying to get, get enough money to even try it because if you roll less than that you also had to pay but you didn't succeed uh, yeah I mean because compared to say Battlestar Galactica and I love both of those programs. Yeah. But the board game for Battlestar, you feel the tension from it. You, you know, you're struggling. You're struggling against other players because they might be Cylons. Yeah. They might not be Cylons. No one really knows. And there's so much intrigue and interest in it. And there's, it, it, there's, there's, more, there's more game in the game. Yeah. And it, it can take three to four hours. And you still, and everyone who's not a Cylon will always lose. But <laughs> yeah, it could also enjoyable. take 45 minutes. Yeah, uh, it yeah, could well. also take 45 minutes. I, I mean, I've really enjoyed Battlestar Galactica. Um, I think it probably has its flaws, and maybe what we just said there. Mm. But there's definitely an urgency to things. There's a distrust going on. You, you mm. get that social engagement yeah. where you're like, oh, you mother. You're, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're definitely a Cylon and then you imprison them and it turns out they're the yeah, only person you can yeah. actually deal with the Cylon I mean um, I've, only pl- I've only played that one once but we played a lot of Shadows of Camelot yeah, sure. which is the same style of traitor mechanic game so obviously it, it's one of these things where you go oh I really love the Firefly universe so I want to set a game in the Firefly mm. universe but actually what do you love about the Firefly universe you love Serenity and that crew yeah I don't. I don't know that the universe is is that interesting beyond like it, uh, American Chinese. Do you uh, like westerns in space? West in space, and that's sort of but, most of the but world. The game there isn't is. even like there's pictures on the cards and stuff, but yeah. but it sounds like you you, you basically don't get sucked in at all. There's no real story. To well, you're sort of playing as Mal and his crew, but not Mal and his crew. Yeah. No, you're playing as a bunch of people who have no personality. Yeah, you, you get a captain which has some special special abilities. But, uh, oh, so there are actually characters in it, but yeah, just, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my captain was a uh, companion. Okay, so sure. I could recruit them crew for free. I still have to pay them, yes, but I didn't have to pay the upfront cost. Oh, okay, which was why I ended up with all of the bonuses necessary to try to attempt the first challenge because I spent lots of time just going like, so I need more charisma. I'll go there, pick up that guy with charisma. That's what I'm doing this these three last turns I've been travelling to there and now I'm picking him up 
does sound a little one note. It, it felt honest. that way. Yeah, I, w- I was not impressed. It's interesting because it, it, Firefly's a popular thing, mm. like, even now, and it, it, you would have thought you'd be able to set a game in that world that would be evocative and would suit some decent mechanics, but it just sounds like it doesn't quite <sighs> get there. So I'm not, I'm not sure what you would do. I mean, a trading game. But in that case, does it matter if it's in Firefly or not? I mean, for me, the the idea that you're all playing people who are uh, crewing the same ship, well, not the same ship, but yeah. the same like class of ship, yeah. a model of ship, yeah. that for me is a little bit dull. Because immediately, like, oh, well, we all want to be Mal and his friends, but none of us actually quite are. Yeah. And it would almost be more interesting if like one of you... Or each of you took on a character and you yeah. were working together but yeah. you all had your own motivations which in the show there it's, is actually yeah, that, yeah I thought that's what it was going to be I thought yeah. it was going to be a, a, a uh, cooperative style of game it's similar to Battlestar in that you're all working to try together to yeah. achieve something with negative effects occurring mm. and you're trying to work together to overcome it because that would add an element of role play to it but it would also be closer to the actual TV show yeah, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it, again, it, it was it was based around a race, race to yeah. get to the end first. But the race was so slow that yeah. you got tired of the race before you even got close to and, the finish. And the goal, your goals for achieving the things is just gain more credits to help you to achieve the end. Improve this stat, get more money. Yeah, yeah. don't make test. You failed. Do again. Yeah, it, yes. it 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 felt a little bit like you know when you start a, a role playing game or an MMO or something like that, and you get a whole bunch of ridiculous fetch quests fetch quest to teach you the game and yeah. just level you up a little bit. Oh. Yeah, mean, without maybe, without the advantage of it being quick because it's on a computer. Maybe the problem that you had was, of course, that you played the recommended demo or intro yeah. scenario, and maybe. Maybe it puts mechanics in there, but not much of the actual. Like, well, meat of so the, game. the scenarios were all on cards, and we'd actually picked a different card until I, I, I found the, or this is the recommended one. Oh, okay. And they would like the they just did like tarot card size, and then there is like three. There's three stages to each of them, I think. Hmm. And that there, there is like it has a name, and so there's some flavor things. But it's it's a long time ago, so I can't actually remember what it was. But each of them are like, okay, well, this is the challenge for step one. Challenge for step two, this is challenge for step three. So essentially, that's it. But and okay, so you're stopping off to pick up crew, which will help you to achieve the challenges, which can help you to get more of the money from different things, but it also means you're having to spend more. And essentially, everything in there is just designed to slow you down. So you have to stop off to buy fuel, so yeah. that costs you. The, yeah, you need the, fuel to move around. That you need to help you get to the end of the goal. So it's it's like it's two step forwards, one step back all the time. There's, yeah, there's lots of mechanic in it to make sure it takes a long time. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like it takes a long time, like a That's really it. long time. Well, I mean, we've we've seen people play it down at the club, starting at seven, and potentially not even finishing it by eleven. Yes, the game's got to be good for you to put that amount of time into. Yeah, it. and this is the argument I have with Relic. Like when I was just starting to get back into what well, into board games, like this new wave of board games that we've had. Um, Relic seems like a great idea because it's like, oh, I loved Talisman when I was a kid. Yeah, it turns out game. it's not that good of a game but, but and it's better than Talisman because there's actually some mechanics in it rather than just an exercise of rolling dice and picking a direction but it takes a long time and what a lot of what you're doing the mecha- isn't that the mechanical payoff is not that interesting yeah 
And actually, I mean, you, you see the game, same though. sort of yeah, it's well produced. <laughs> you see the same sort of thing come through with uh, some of the um, Lovecraftian games. Yes. So if you look at Elder Signs, there's a similar thing of like, well, we're just going to keep going until we collected all the other signs and then he goes away but if he doesn't if we don't get that then we have to fight this yeah. thing and it's probably going to kill all of us it almost certainly is yes um, but that's quicker and the dice yeah. mechanic's quite fun and interesting and there's a push the, and there, and there's, there's potentially an interaction between the players yeah. and action is pretty close to constant because I think that you could have a trading game which would be great fun you could have a Firefly game that'd be. I, th- I think you probably maybe the way I would go with a Firefly game would be one of you is Serenity, like your yeah. crew of Serenity, or your Mal, but the and the other characters you maybe can pick up on the way. Someone else is whatever the authority is called. Someone mm. else plays Reavers. Someone else plays it, and you could have like an interesting thing there where you've each got your own goals. Yeah, but you kind of have to work together a little bit in order to achieve them. You, and... you could do some interesting things. You could do. There's a couple of different models for that. You could do. You could do something like Imperial Assault. Sure. Where one side is playing the rebels and then there is a GM who plays the Imperial. Or with the new app that's not actually, no one has to play the Imperials. Yeah. It's effectively a dungeon crawler, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily take place in the dungeon. Um, okay, so you could take that sort of dungeon crawler... Uh, which would fit a whole bunch of archetype the... Yeah. And put it in space. Yeah, basically. or you can go like, well, you are actually gone down to do this trade negotiation. Here's a scenario for what happens. Yeah. Um, a little bit also like um, Mansion of Madness. Yeah. Which is a little bit more open where it's just like, well, you've gone here. That also puts much more story into it, which, to my mind, if you're playing a licensed game, surely you're interested in interacting with the license. I yeah. mean, so putting more story in would be more interesting, I think. Mm. Some, something like that would, to me, make a more interesting Firefly game. I think if getting back to Ben's point as well, if you were playing sort of characters that... Um, so, say, for example, you had one or two players as Reavers, one or two players mm. as the Alliance, and yeah. one or two players as um, Serenity, then for your objective to be the thing that slows the other players down rather than the game, yeah. because it felt too much like the game was just trying to stop you from achieving the things you need mm. to achieve to get to the end goal, um, as opposed to it being my end objective is the thing that I need to stop Mal from achieving yeah. what he's yeah. trying to achieve, and at the same time as doing my things and that kind of I think that would have been a better way of doing it because then you're all kind of hating each other a little bit but enjoying <laughs> yeah. the game at the same time because it's yeah, yeah you're all kind of like trying to stop each other from winning yeah. well it, I mean it's, it's sort of like it was a competitive game except you weren't really it didn't feel like you were playing against your opponents that much you were playing against the game well, it yes. sounds like a steeplechase doesn't it yeah. to me like you're essentially jogging for a long time um, oh well that's that's a shame yeah, I was like, oh, this could be interesting. Turn out dead. No, yeah. no, it is not. But I mean, it's hardly the first licensed games which hasn't worked out that well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, well. Um, so, I think that's probably it for the UK Games Expo. Anything that else is, you wanted to speak about? There were more board games we played, yeah. a couple more. Can't remember them. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I tried to write down what I played and I'll take photos. But there's some of them where I just forgot. And yeah. I, since I can't remember the name, I'm not going to give sort of a vague description of a something like this. Yeah. There was a dungeon crawler based on cards, which was actually kind of nice. Okay. Um, it was a dungeon crawler. Yeah. I just didn't have miniatures. It had cards. Sure. It was fine. Um, one thing I did like 
Um, there was, uh, I thought this, this was really cute, there was a, a role-play area for kids, 5 to 12. I think we talked about that um, mm. in the Bushido episode. Possibly. Yeah. That might have been the one thing I mentioned. Just yeah. But it, it was just quite nice to see, because these are obviously the gamers of tomorrow. Yeah. And it was packed for the entire convention. Yeah, that's which was really great. cool. Similar to last year when, you didn't have the this year, the, the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. That was a kids tournament as well. Yeah. Which was quite fun to see. Because I saw some of, some of them, which you, they were very serious. I'm sure. Um, and then I saw some of them. It was like, I think neither did you finish that you had a question and stuff. And both of them, and they were like 10. And sitting there, just quiet, just being very nice, quiet. And then one of them just stuck his hand up and just waited for a judge to come over. I, but it was great to see. Yeah. Um, possibly also goes back to some of what we talked about, teaching kids to play. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to lose. That's interesting. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for the people who gave up maybe three days uh, in order to run Rob Van Games for kids. That's, yeah, we had that's pretty one awesome. of our friends. He do, he actually does board games for a living. Yeah. Uh, he was there last year with Stan, but this year he I think he spent the entire Saturday DMing for kids. Awesome. Yeah. I've never really been into role-playing games and stuff, but like, kids do that Much anyway. More, and and, it, and it's, it's, it's natural. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw, we were walk past and then one of, one of the tables were like oh so who's volunteering and every single one of those kids put their hand up and the DM was like great you've now all volunteered to jump out of the plane into the volcano to stop it erupting <laughs> awesome so roll a twenty to win yeah <laughs> yeah or if you roll a 20 you plug the volcano <laughs> and somehow survive um cool so um the doorbell and all the noise in the background was Graham arriving. Um, Hi. Who, yeah. Uh, so we uh, are going to take a short break and then we'll be back to talk about the upcoming Arata and more. FAQs for the next uh, year of Bushido, essentially. More, more Bushido. More Bushido, because Three. why not? Well, it turns out we play a lot of Bushido. Yeah. Yeah, um, I do love a bit of Bushido. You do love a bit of Bushido. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we will be back in a little bit. Thank you to Mastercraft Miniatures for sponsoring this podcast. That's okay, mate. Uh, Mastercraft Miniatures produce shoulder pads and hands for Space Marines, Japanese scenery, uh, lanterns, and so on, as well as some animals like tortoises and birds and toads and things like that. Uh, I also stock miniatures for Eden, which is a post-apocalyptic wasteland game. Uh, they also, I also have some miniatures from Mal Miniatures and Golem Miniatures. Uh, both really nice, but not for any particular game. You can find Mastercrafted Miniatures at mastercrafted.co.uk, at MC Minis on Twitter, and Mastercrafted Miniatures on Facebook and Instagram. We should also thank Narbicus for producing our intro and outro music. He's not anywhere on the internet, so you can't find him. Right, welcome back. Um... So we're going to talk a little bit about the Bushido Arata that's going to come out fairly soon. It's with retainers at the moment, who are the people who generally support the Bushido. Yeah, game. Um, henchmen, all-star press gangers, yeah. pundits, so those kinds of things. It's at this point that if I were a journalist, I'd say, full disclosure, I work for GCT. So I'm sort of a retainer. I sort think, of. I think you're listed as a retainer on the forum. Yeah, I know. Just, yeah. 
but um, but I sculpt the miniatures, so I, so I am sort of involved with the company. But this um, not really with the rules, though. No, 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 no. Every, every now and then I throw something in about the Oxford comma, but that's about it. So um, <laughs> we're just going to quickly run through basically all the red text, all the stuff that's been added this year um, that's different from last year, and just talk about what we think about it and. Uh, how it screws over whatever we were doing before or uh, doesn't. I or imagine a bunch whatever. of it would be like, yeah, seems to make sense. I, th- I think generally the focus uh, is to make things clearer rather than to rebalance too much. Well, because they have a new edition in the works yeah. for release some point. Yes, um, at some point. I'm guessing that balance stuff is, is less of a priority because it, it just needs to take over. Yeah, until they get the next edition out. Absolutely, and you just make games flow a little better. So, um, right. So, oh, the what I should say is this: errata is not necessarily final. Things might change. Um, some of what we talk about might end up being feedback, uh, and so this is not the final document. It might change. We might also, but this is what wrong. we've got, and also we might be wrong. Um, that happens. <laughs> Altogether far too frequently. Our takes are totally amazing. <laughs> okay, so the first thing we've got um, under the timing section uh, if an effect does not specify duration, it expires in the end phase. Um, that to me just seems like just so you can. It, it's it, just a tidying it, up. It, it yeah. just stops there being a hole in the game where suddenly people go like, what? Yeah. When is this for the rest of the game? Does this end? It's a catch-all. So, like, if we haven't if we haven't specified, so far. Yeah. So, move on from that. Um, okay, so we've got something down with disengage. I'm going to read the entire text. Uh, so, choose one model in base to base. That model resolves a melee exchange against that other model. Uh, the active model must allocate more dice to defence than to attack. And if unable to do this, it cannot attempt to disengage action. If the model successfully defends. And here's the new text. Or if it is no longer in base-to-base with the chosen model, then after the melee is resolved, it makes a movement as if it had performed a walk action, ignoring all models in base-to-base. So I think what that's there for is if someone uh, does a disengage action, but like the sidestep defence happens or something like that. that. That was what I thought. It's like It covers all of the many varied special attacks and defences that move models around. It makes the interaction more logical as well. Like yeah. I'm trying to disengage. Yeah, but I pushed you. So I've disengaged then? No, I pushed you. You didn't successfully... Oh, piss off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And suddenly um, suddenly you are stranded in... Well, you didn't successfully disengage, but you're standing on your own. But because you didn't disengage, you didn't want to allow to walk away. So your opponent could sort of both move you and pin you in place. Yeah, which is really weird. So I I think that's fine. That makes perfect sense. It also gives you the option that if you've got apparition or something like that, you can... Do a disengage action to tire the opponent's model and, and still and escape without ooh. having to worry too much about it. You game, you bastard. Yeah, yeah thank that's you. good. <laughs> I, I would totally do that if I played any faction with models yeah. with apparition. Yeah, I um, spotted that little. It's, little unner- it's unnerving how quickly shit like that comes to Adam's mind, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, first thing. <laughs> but I'm still also, thinking about it, like. it, it may be that um, because they've errated the Malay text, which we'll get to later, that uh, only go. Ghost or whoever else has apparition would mm. be the one to tire. Yeah, we'll need to talk about. Yeah, that okay, we'll get yeah. to that. See how that interaction works in a bit. Um, so the next bit is uh, 
It's to do with key feats. Key, key um, boosts, basically. Yeah, so you've got... Uh, some models are able to increase a, a statistic through the spending of key tokens. These increases are key feats that are instant and personal. The increase to the statistic lasts until the current test or movement is resolved. So that test or movement is the new text. Um, each key boost is considered a separate key feat. Um, mm. I, again, I think that's just essentially tidying up. up making sure that mm. the text is consistent because I've certainly not seen anyone play it differently. That's interesting because I, th I, th I suppose the... I don't know if this is a new implication, but if you're, say, Rapid Fire or Hail of Steel, lots of uh, shots, yeah. then each boost only affects one of those shots yep. now. Ooh. Yeah, I oh, thought that's yeah, what it's doing already, though. I, yeah, that's um, the thing. I think yeah. that might have already changed, but I, I think, think maybe... Cause I, I, that I, just I means it's they've mostly not worth doing. Then. is it wasn't necessarily where it was specifying tests, I think, before. Yeah, um, I mean, this might actually be an interesting okay. thing is to bring up the existing text and have a look at it. Uh, because yeah, it may maybe. have been that people thought they were able to get the movement for the entire turn or something, rather than just Can the I action, just... But... If oh, this is... Sure, yeah. uh, when you've got like, rapid fire or something like that, yeah. the, the idea that you can spend key to boost it, is this... Um, if you've got rapid fire, only boost... If you throw key in to boost your... Missile, it's only oh, the first shot. It's only for unless, the eight un shot. Un unless you want to spend it again. You could boost time. all of them if you have enough key. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you'd have to you boost each one like, Just curious, so I, 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 I tend to yeah. perk up with anything sure. that involves my team. Yeah, your crossbowmen aren't getting better. So. No, no, yeah, th no this, this, is, this is making them worse. The well, it's not actually changing. For that one, I was just checking. I mean, this is most, this seems mostly like, let's tidy up the wording. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, it it used to say fair. the increase uh, to the st statistic, which I apparently can't say properly tonight, lasts until the current activation is resolved. So it's changed from current activation to current test or movement. Okay. So um, it has actually made something like rapid fire worse. Potentially, yeah. If you if well, you just... ever actually rapid fire and boost, which I don't see happening very often. I maybe Biku or something. I think like I've it. seen in the grand total of zero times. Yeah, like I can't see it happening with your well, uh, Kiyako Han or whatever. No, not with the Kiyako Han, but the Wasapu. Waspu. Waspu, yeah. yeah. He pays a lot to rapid fire too, though. And I can't imagine anyone Three having enough rapid fire too. Oh, so he's got to be fully loaded with six to boost and yeah. rapid fire. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's not yeah. going to come it, it, off. It, no, it's... You super... might be able to boost both shots in, like, turn six or something if you haven't spent key for the rest of the game. you loads of key to him. It's very it's very corner case. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Less likely to now. Yeah. So you wouldn't bother now. Like you have presumably have better things to spend your key on, like yeah. doing rapid so, fire two times in a row. Yes, yeah, exactly. So active key feats. Um, this is changed uh, from can only be used when this model's controller is the active player, even if it is not the active model. To can be used at any time when this model's controller is the active player, even if it's not the active model. And the new stuff is. Except during melee exchanges or ranged attacks where the timing is restricted as detailed under the melee exchanges and ranged attacks sections. Again, that's just to add a little clarity over the whole step two and step eight of uh, melee exchanges oh, and so on, which we will actually get to in a little because bit. Because then he then proceeds to add clarity and then goes like, oh, we're now introducing this entirely different aspect, which is... I, I think that sentence isn't probably necessary if you if you're careful about the way you're reading the rules. No, probably not. But that's you know 
it can't hurt. I guess, other than it just had the wordiness and then, of things. Then they go on to specify that if both players want to use feet outside of a melee exchange, the active player is basically the one who goes first. Yeah, so other than in a melee exchange or ranged attack, if both players wish to use instant or active key feats, the active player goes first. Yeah, fine. That's how the rest of the game works? Well, sort of. yes. Sort of. But okay, fine. Uh, right, okay, so we've got a little Rata 2 melee exchanges. I really hope that this is an interesting thing for people to listen to, because we're just sort of going through a document at the moment. Right, so uh, step five of melee exchanges, um, which is normally both players then roll all their dice simultaneously and conduct any re-rolls. It is now, if the models are still in base to base, roll all your dice simultaneously and perform any re-rolls, Otherwise, the melee action ends now, and the attacker's condition worsens. So this is actually in response to something yes. which I raised on the forums. Oh, excellent! Um, tell us, tell us everything about this. Because <laughs> uh, I was, I also play cult, and I was um, looking at a person whose names I've forgotten now, which is ridiculous because I know exactly well, you, who they you are. Looking at how to break. Yes, yeah, so I was looking at how to break things. Well, that, well that's what you, that's, that's what you do when you don't when you're not playing. You Yama look through all, all of the cards and go like, "Oh, well, this this seems silly. I should not be allowed to do this." So if, I'm totally if you going need to... something breaking, Adam's your man. Um, <laughs> I was oh. looking at how. Well, I, I I have worked in testing, so you know this is what we do. Um, so Yama Uber's morph, and I was thinking, how can I get Yama Uber's morph to work nicely with apparition? To steal something I want from something dangerous and not actually have to deal with the melee. Mm. And previously, you would kind of get to a point you could go in, you then have an option to do key feats because I'm the active player. I, I use morph to steal what I want. I can then apparition out of combat. And then <laughs> both models were becoming tired. Because the melee had started, but but but, but nobody rolled any dice yeah. or anything. So, so this so. basically just tells you that you can do this, but he will not get tired. He won't become tired. Yeah, your your victim won't become yeah. tired. Just you, which so seems fair. It, sure, and it's kind of good because it still means you can steal that good thing from someone. Yeah, that but you, you maybe but you don't get being actually you don't get the bonus of taking away half his activation as well. Yeah, yeah I like that you get to do the janky stuff, but yes, like mm. Paul says, that's, that's that cool. that that's, that seems like a good way of ruling it. I've just broken one of Adam's models. Again? That's I mean, he was already quite further? broken. Yeah. <laughs> right, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that. In a bit. Buy me a new one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Oh, I, li- I like this one. Ah, changes to Rise. Okay. Rise models yeah, will no longer right. get up if they are killed by fire. That's pretty much it, yeah. If, which, if, which, they, which if their true. final wounds were caused by fire in the end phase, then they're dead. I used to think that this was sort of the case. Anyway, um, through a sort of quirk of the wording, but the way the wording used to work is it would have been affected by poison in the same way, which I don't think thematically works how, as well. How many things actually can make fire? It's obviously Daifuku. There's some there's fire coming with the Minamoto. Um, spoilers. Uh, Oh, the uh, firewheel of death. Yeah, the firewheel of death. Fire wake, it's mostly cult, apparently. Um, oh, that's, that's yeah. helpful. Yeah, really the, the junk can accelerate fire, but not actually create it currently. Which is, yeah, 
You, well, you, yeah, look, it, it's it's future proofing. I get that, but it does mean that at the moment you look at that that model and go like, why, why, why would I bring him? Yeah. He he does things. He has but, other uses, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, but a Bushido warband is quite tight. Yeah, there's not space for models where oh. Well, he's sort of cool, but mostly what he does is buff some models that don't exist at the moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that. I, I mean, he's quite hard to fit in. Waku has a fiery breath attack as well. Yes. So there is something else um, that we sort of skipped over on this one. So I'm going to read through Rise. When this model is reduced to zero wounds, it becomes prone. New text. Immediately make a target test with the target number of X. If successful, model heals all wounds. If it fails, remove the model from play as normal. Then it goes on to talk about fire. Immediately make a target test. What that means, it, it, that basically means with combo attack. The so second you, you kill it, it has to, which, has to which, take a test. Yeah. It has to take Which that means that test. with combo attack, you could kill it multiple times. Yes. If you're lucky. So if you happen to roll... Okay, so normally the problem with combo attack is like, oh, I'm success level six. Oh, you died from the first hit. Yeah. Oh. Um, um, or, this oh, actually... I'm success level one. I don't get to make a second attack. Yeah. So those, those are generally your two options. Yeah. And combo attack obviously is the counter to durable anyway. Yes. Uh, but it also durable becomes... Being... Durable being you can only take one wound uh, from each Oh, the uh, cami thing. Yeah, it's yeah. The, yeah. the thing that makes camis really annoying. Uh, but this now means that combo attack is a counter to rise because you can go okay, take take a rise test. Oh, you passed. Okay, I'll roll another damage roll. Well, I killed you and again. Yeah. But just keep going. It, it's harder it does, though because you yeah. come back on full wounds, so you have to kill yes. the model with every damage roll. There for has that been to some debate as to whether they should actually come back uh, all wounds, but um, oh, for this edition, yeah. that, that won't be changing. I don't think. Well, that's but then, fine. So, I mean, if you've got a good roll to begin with, say a five, and yeah. your three doesn't kill it, your one might. So yeah, you, yeah, you still get to yeah, keep rolling. Yeah, it's still a bonus. It, it yeah, is a bonus. It's, it's just not potentially that significant. You, you might not have to force them to do three rise tests, but if you can force them to do two, that's statistically improved. Yeah. yeah. What I think it means is that a lot of factions now have more access to a counter to rise. So you've got, have you got combo attack? Okay, you've got a bit of a counter to rise, especially bearing in mind most models with rise are a bit fancy in combat. Yes. And fire is the other one. But has Fire every faction rare, got yeah. access no. to Fire? Yeah, no. So no, to those two. Very no. mm, every, actually, every faction could probably get access to one of those two. I mean, you've got the, the, uh, the Rio have got the instant beheading death thing. Yeah, critical strike attack. Which though, would actually stop you from being allowed a rise test. Oh, is that just remove the model from play? Remove the model yeah. from play. Which, so yeah. if you critical strike Which I'm someone, quite happy. They so they have got that something. That seems reasonable. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you chop off the head or destroy the brain, don't you? So. Mm. You've got red on you. Anyway. <laughs> the thing on film it was, yeah, very good. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so um, that I think everyone, will, except for James, potentially, will be happy to hear that. Yeah, definitely. I think even James will go like, yeah, that's fine. That's fair. What he might complain I mean, about is the change we'll talk about in a little bit to, to well, Q&A on healing, which might upset him. Yes, uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, right, next bit of red. Okay, immobilize. Now we spoke about the interaction uh, of immobilize and aggressive. Has not changed at the. Has it not? 
for the Masters. I was pretty sure I looked for that and didn't uh, watch no, it. No, no, it says here. Gains defensive now, so defensive and aggressive would counter each other. Yeah. So you can then have a disengage. Ah, uh, okay. So that had okay. So I just didn't understand it when I read it. That seems reasonable. Yeah. So now, so basically, right. Rewind. So what happened at the Masters was that uh, Goro he has aggressive anyway. He was immobilized by Tetsuso, who which then meant that Goro had to roll more dice in attack. And had to roll more dice in defence. So he... Just, you obviously can't do that. He So the programming broke. He instantly uh, just exhausted. Now what happens? Uh, the text says, As long as a model is immobilised, it gains defensive and... And then carries on to talk about the rest of the feet as normal. Uh, sorry, uh, state as normal. Um, so that basically means defensive and aggressive would cancel, cancel out. Yeah. And then uh, Goro gets to do his business uh, as normal. So basically you get to choose whatever you do. You're yes, it basically to... goes back to a normal melee you, exchange, you, except, yeah, yeah, except obviously you're yeah, at minus one melee skill. Yeah. So that sort of fixes the programming there. Yeah. Um, fine. Yeah, I would actually have quite liked for it to become like struggle. So if you're aggressive, you can only struggle if you're immobilized, and then that ties both models. But I mean, it doesn't really make much difference, and that's just making it more complicated. That's something yeah. like you could add stuff like that for a new edition, but for an errata, maybe you yeah. like take the shortest route. Possible, don't you, to the solution? It certainly fixes it. It's the most elegant solution because you've already got um, a trait there called defensive. So and you've already got errata that says that if they're defensive and aggressive, they cancel each other out. So. Indubitably. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the next thing, and Adam's going to be thrilled about this with his ninjas, disguised. Right at the end of the text, it says soulless models may not become disguised. If a disguised model becomes soulless, it loses the disguised state. I thought that was already the case. No, so what it was before is that you could be soulless and disguised. Uh, you couldn't be the Vim. You immediately yeah. lose. Yeah, you can't be. Dis- well, disguised. you can't be disguised and the Vim. Yeah, but if you. So this was discussed quite a lot last year, and I suggested essentially, if you do a scenario objective interaction, then you lose yeah. your disguise because that seemed reasonable anyway. It yeah. was too easy to remain invulnerable and still be able to do all of the scenario actions, yeah. which I agree with. Yeah. This one is a little bit of a bummer. It means that ghosts now can't be disguised. Ah, I can only assume that ninjas are winning all the tournaments ever and that they needed <laughs> nerfing again. Because, um, yeah, now we're losing an awful lot of opportunity for gaining position, which forces opponents to be stretched when they have multiple, like way more yeah. models than you do. And, yeah, not a fan, but hey, I'm the only one at the table that's invested heavily in ninjas, so I, I think how does everyone else feel about it? <laughs> Super cool. I, I was going to say, I think ninjas are really annoying. So. I think there's, there's, there's two reasons why you would um, make changes in an errata of this sort of type, and one of them is because ninjas are winning every tournament. Well, they're not doing that, but the other thing they might be doing is making it just no fun for their opponent. And we play the games yeah. not just for a competitive situation, but also for it to be fun. And if someone feels like, well, I can't do anything about that, that is a bummer. Maybe this isn't the best solution. Yeah, I, I kind, I I kind of worry that it's going to make playing as the ninjas less fun because you're going to get corralled now. You're just yeah. going to get partitioned off. It's going to be a struggle to do getting or to get to the three point scenario objectives when your opponent can just keep hitting you with cheap models. You're always going to be outnumbered. Mm. I, I think ninjas are a design challenge. Well, we had... Anyway. Well, like one of the players tournament when we played before, ninjas, you, at the end, afterwards, talked to me, he was like, well, I'm not going to play ninjas 
again yeah. because either I didn't have fun or my opponent didn't have fun. Yeah, they're a, they're, they're a tough one. I mean, in the background for the ninjas, only three ever turn up for a mission. And of course, that was abandoned for the tabletop inter- uh, um, interactions because yeah. well, that, the game doesn't work then. It wouldn't work. No, I mean, you'd have to add so many special rules for the ninjas, which they already have a lot of. Well, you would need to be 15 plus points yeah. there about. Well, them. of course, yeah. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. Is this basically down to do with Ghost being soulless in the uh, also no, no, the theme, because is there the any theme allows you, you to make... make a model soulless that can already have disguise. Because you've obviously got the roses and everything that have the, are the other... They get disguised, but they're not soulless. No soulless. Yeah, but is there a way of inflicting soulless nope. on no. the... No. The only faction I'm aware of that can create soulless is the ninjas. And um, your guys, the Savage Wave Goblins. Oh, they do that. Um, but they can't... I don't think they get disguised, Ooh. so... It, 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 this literally only nerfs um, ninjas. Um, it's, oh, right, okay. it's, it's, it's another, yeah. It's, to be fair, it's another I mean, thing to make ninjas less effective. Pain in the ass, but then they they do have lots of very few models. Then when they do start breaking down, they do break down. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's another one of those. You've just got to be used to how to stop them, which is yeah. fine. A lot of the time, I was chatting to I can't remember who I was talking to. But if you're setting up, it's a one-off game, you're turning up and saying, I'm going to play Silvermoon. You say, right, I know I'm playing Silvermoon. I can put together a list that will compete against Silvermoon. Or I'm fighting ninjas, I can put together a list that will compete against ninjas. But when you go to the tournament, you haven't got that luxury of... Which is when playing the ninjas becomes a massive pain in the ass. But then also, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do to be anti the ninjas without actually having to tailor your list. You just have to really think about what you're yeah. doing. But that's fine for somebody more. like you that reads rules and looks at the <laughs> And somebody like me that barely knows how to use the models that I've got, yet alone the other 40, 50 models that ever yeah. somebody I'm, I'm not sure you're really take. selling your argument there, Graham. No, it is, yeah. I, you do need to be a bit more of an intellectual for a game like this, <laughs> rather than me that actually barely reads the card that I'm But holding. I think the main point of this change is that being soulless and disguised was too guaranteed. Yeah. But then my argument against that is being outnumbered is also guaranteed. You're yeah. guaranteed to have activations after your opponent, and there's nothing they can do about it as a ninja player. So yeah. that's a guaranteed freebie. If your opponent's forward-thinking enough... He's going to abuse that. And being able to get to the other side of the table to split your opponent's forces was a huge um, balancer for that, for me. And now that you you might get there, but there's a good chance they're going to throw everything at your disguise models just to break the disguise so that yeah. you're not disguised anymore. Hmm. And then they can just control you out of the game again. I, w- I would be interested to hear the thought process behind changing that. I mean, I, I guess the only thing I can think of is uh, they're pain in the ass floating around in zones. But then yeah. you could you could you could make an errata change to zones where they don't contribute. Something like or that. you can make you lose disguise if you walk into a zone. Is that not already yeah. the rules that if you disguise you don't? No, no, you can't. Anyway. You lose you, you lose disguise if you do a scenario yeah. action. Yeah, it would be. But can well, you, you still go towards? Because if you're in base, it would base, be a problem melee, more so you lose if disguise. they were large models, but they don't even have zones of control. So you can walk right up to one of them in a disguised, you know, a disguised model in a zone, and just you're in the zone. So you walk around them. Yeah, we're talking scenario mm. zone. So like, if you can sit in a scenario 
zone and then just be like, well, I'm claiming yeah. this because I'm 13 rice with the upgrades or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can also still fit three of your opponents. I, I've not found that to be too much of a problem in our local meta, and this is the thing. It's it's um, yeah. Well, it's going to. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that the ninjas probably need a, some work. I think they need a fundamental rewrite, probably. If if you really want them to, um, to, to well, to work because, because they are a faction based on tricks. Yeah, and so once you start changing some of the tricks, because some of them are problematic the faction is going to run into issues because it was based around tricks. And if some of those tricks don't work, that's a problem. I mean, the two main tricks you've seen with ninjas have been just shuriken spam. Yeah. Very, very effective. Now, not even worth doing. No. And then uh, Soldier's Disguise, which uh, is now impossible. So, yeah, it's interesting that um, ninjas have had these two big nerves. I think what this also does is a lot of the rice costs are built around what you can do with the ninjas. Mm. And so, for example, Yuto, who I quite enjoyed being soulless disguised as a model because he could then force hesitation on people. He can get around. He can You can use him to block um, uh, opponents getting at a model. You don't want to be surrounded, that kind of thing. And he can't do that as effectively anymore. You can still have him as disguised, but you or can't soulless. then make him soulless as well yeah. Yeah. to be able to force the hesitation. And But being able to just go, right, you're soulless, now I'm going to do an imposed key test with you. Oh, guess what? You lost. Yeah. That's amazing. But hesitation isn't that fantastic. No, sure. It's not like domination, which you just pick the opponent's model to activate next, which is also guaranteed. So... Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that is it is what it is. We'll see how yeah. that shakes out. Um, I'd like to see something from the ninjas in the new edition, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what. I've got no ideas for the ninjas. They're just... a tough one. The trouble is that just makes them have more models again. And yeah. I think that you, I want to see the ninjas have fewer models. Yeah, but how do you balance that? How do you the, make that the, fun for both? Players? I mean, the problem is a little bit that Bushido is a low model count game that works better if you have more models. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's true. If you have more models, you actually have some tangible advantages on yes, the and table. Okay, well, so we're stepping away from the errata a bit here. But like, I, I feel that the balance that you get with the activation uh, disadvantage is pass tokens. I just don't think pass tokens do enough at the moment. That is true. They do not. Um, they, they're very useful turns one, maybe two. They used to be particularly um, useful if you are if you were running four models, two of which were tireless and two of which were soulless disguised. Yeah. We can't do that anymore either. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sorry. <solid. Yeah. laughs> I mean, what, what, what people haven't realised is that I flipped the table, smashed a few chairs. <laughs> we we ended up ready to kick me out, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a little swearing for the stray jacket and the tranquilizer. <laughs> right, okay, so we're going to move on. Um, so we're into the errata of actual um, cards at this point. So uh, the first one is Bachiko Takashi. Uh, some of them some, were misprinted? Some of them were misprinted. Okay, right. cool. Ch- check that if you have the card. Yeah, make sure that you uh, check the website for the up-to-date card, which is hopefully up-to-date. Well, I think it was some of them came with two wound tracks. So, yeah. And she should only have one. It's a named character. Seems fairly sensible. Change to Envy, uh, Cult of Your Eye. 
any non-boost key feats used cost zero key. I'm interested oh, that's not to... What we... So it actually says non-boost key feats cost zero key, but the, the non-boost is in red, so... Did it already have the zero? Oh, it's, be it's because we talked about it earlier, and I think we were wrong. People look things up on the internet. It's always fun to listen to. Um, because we, we 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 talked <laughs> we talked about uh, acquisition being free, but that's not actually what it says. No. It is what it's because you can use, you can steal enemy key feats. Yeah. And yeah. and what this changed us is that it means that those key feats you change you steal, you can use them for free. Right, so it's not uh, envy. It's not. It's not. Boost, it's not uh, acquisition. Key the key feat that is free. It is if you gain a key feat, you right. can use it for free. So yeah, as long as you're not stealing a key boost. Yes, uh, this is yes. nested under acquisition. So any non-boost key feats, they yeah, okay, sure. Um, it sort of makes acquisition only because it means that before you would spend three on acquisition, and then if you have to activate another key feat, you're like, I've now spent all my key, and envy is dead. Yeah. What I might suggest that it be changed to is because uh, obviously it's under acquisition. Any non-boost key feats used cost zero key. Maybe it should be any non-boost key feats gained through this key feat. It, it, if, if, you, if you read if you read the whole um, key feat, it, it actually makes fairly. Oh, sense. It makes perfect. Okay. Because you, you changed the la, you changed the last sentence of the key feat, so it is fine. Yeah. Okay. It's just we talked Red in isolation. In yeah, we talked about it earlier, and we'd misunderstood what the errata was. Oh, sweeties! Um, because the way we read it was that acquisition would be free, and we don't mm. like envy, so we were bitching about him being better. <laughs> I mean, envy is a dick. Right, true. So moving really on. Powerful enough, yeah. Oh, now we've got a massive block of red. Okay, this is the de death and decay theme, which um, this was made public before the um, before the. Grandmasters. We talked about it in the last episode. Yeah, I don't know if this has changed since the Grandmasters. I um, have to know what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to spend time right now looking up the uh, the the other one. Um, the one thing which I notice has changed, I think, is that the desecrated grave is now impassable terrain instead of just difficult. Mm, that's an interesting one because that means it can't be placed in zones. That I think we, I, that's the exact. I was going to say, I think I, I, celebration I, noise. Your Guinness has a widget, apparently. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I think that's the point. So you can't you can't start <laughs> deployed in zones. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I yeah. think I think that's good. I think it's it actually it can be a little bit of a strength as well for cult that they could be. Well, we now have this impossible piece of training that we can use to channel you, um, but also. It Does might split up their forces. Um, I think it'll be more of a disadvantage to, to them because almost anyone you're playing against will be faster and more manoeuvrable. Do they have to position it um, in their own half? Yes, yes. It's in their half of the table. Um, and there's been some changes to that which we'll get to later. At some point. So the Savage Wave changes. Um, there's been changes to the circular strike of Babata, which will also be the circular strike of anyone else who has circular strike, in, unless this is just bringing him in line. Mm. Uh, it says, these attacks are considered to be at medium range band, are not affected by the penalty for having made range attacks previously in the turn. Fine. Uh, yeah, I guess if you're attacking multiple models, you could make an argument for going like, oh, you're making a range attack, you've already done one. Here's a penalty for the second. Well, yeah, I mean, literally, it would have been the same thing as like Hail of Steel or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the no, idea is that that's a bell on the chain that he's just swinging. Yeah. So yeah. it's not going like, yeah. to. Like it's, it's, it's just making. The rule says it's just making, making clear that, that this is not how it would. It'll be the same for Minotaur, Jung, mm -hmm. and so on. Yeah. 
um, track, uh, he should have had the small trait. So he's now got that. Uh, That's the Bakamono Samurai. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense. I think all the others have small. Yeah, all, all the other Bakamono do it. It was just left off his by accident. Yeah. Okay. Right, now we're down into Ninjas. ninja stuff. The smoke bomb. It is three inches high. That's the errata. Oh, okay. That's and new. It was already multiple two. So, yeah, I think that might be because you uh, mentioned it on the yes. uh, 125 comments thread that we now have <laughs> on the Facebook group. It's, it's really pleasing that Jason che- checks all of these. Um, <laughs> this so. is the thing that what I will say is that like Jason does listen. Mm. He will disagree, obviously, sometimes. <laughs> I, as um, this. But he does actually listen, and, and this sort of thing makes perfect sense because the smoke uh, bombs never had a, a size before. Well, it did, but it was a one-inch diameter uh one inch radius so presumably from the point that it lands on the board it goes up one inch i suppose if you really had to settle a log that's yes. the way you'd settle it but yeah which, that's which, which makes it less which useful. no one was playing until i re- looked at it and was like actually yeah that's not going to cover an entire model is it no, yeah <laughs> um, the, the other way i could have seen you going is just go oh it's infinitely high who cares yeah. which is kind of in most cases three inches high or infinitely high it's basically the same thing. Yeah. This well, makes me a lot happier about the whole soulless disguise thing because it means that Shizuka can use smoke bombs to bounce around a lot better. Jason gives with one hand and yeah, takes, takes, takes away with the other. Um, basically. He's a fickle god. Um, okay. <laughs> so, speaking of our, our um, dumping on past tokens. House of the Long Shadow Arata. At a fourth benefit, because no one was using this one, I think. Uh, double the number of pass tokens you generate in each start phase. Interesting. Again, like pass tokens only do so much. But, but at least at least when you double it, it actually matches the amount of activations you're down. Mm-hmm. Well, funnily enough, after the recent errata <laughs> taking away Soulless Disguise, I was considering running the two tireless and then three disguised models thanks to House of the Long Shadow. Just because it means that your opponent's basically either having to go through tireless or risk fate, you're wasting an activation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just, that could just be interesting to see. How that to goes. See. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, just just because I can't consider playing ninjas and not being annoying and an absolute. Well, <laughs> ninjas should <laughs> be annoying. Well, well, but, but that is that, thing, that is the design space of ninjas. Yeah. yeah. So, and it, it's the way. For me, it's the way they feel like they should play. Mm. Yeah. And that's why I enjoy using them, because you're using them in a completely different way to any of the other factions. And I oh, I thought, you, I thought yeah. you were going to say you enjoyed using them because they're annoying. Thanks, Oh No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am the person who, who likes playing Pandora in Malifaux, who is just like, oh, you want to do something? Let me make it annoying for you. <laughs> so if, when you played Magic, were you blue? I've never is, played Magic. Is this a joke? Oh, okay. Sure. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> right, okay. We're into the Jung. What have we got here? Hibiki Jung. Um, okay, so I think he's been slightly problematic since he was released, but he's... They've certainly the... been complaining about him. Yeah, so his Pali feat uh, now says non-soulless enemy models in the aura and non-soulless models in base-to-base with Hibiki Jung. Um lose aggressive may not place dice in attack or use special defences in a melee exchange or target this model with key feats. This aura ends if this model is not in base to base with an enemy model. So I guess it's just you can't do anything. It's clearing up how Parley yeah. works. It's, yeah. it, it's, in the, it's still in the spirit of Parley, it's just being clearer about it. 
I think it was just because it was creating that same issue of immobilize attack where you can't place dice and attack, but you're mm. aggressive, so you have to. Yeah, there, 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 there was there was an inter- uh, there was a long discussion with an interaction yeah. about that, which caused some problems. I think you know Hibiki Jungs. Mm. This this key feat is called parley, so you know that it should be about essentially not not, doing not any attacking. combat or yeah. bullshit. So sure, okay. Um, note that Minato Jung's uh, one hasn't been changed since the previous errata because it was already up to date. So yes. it's really just Bavata's hadn't yeah. been changed was, yeah. in line with yeah, the exactly. Okay, cool. Right into the Ronin. Uh, okay, so we've got the Golden Sentinel, an errata to Tenacious. This model may only use this key feat once per turn, uh, which... Other models with this same key feat already had that text. Yeah, a, a lot of these are, oh, we've missed out the update to the text on this model. We are now adding it. Yeah, I will note that um, I had run the Empire list with yeah. the three sisters and two Golden Sentinels. And one of my Golden Sentinels definitely used that more than once per turn because then they become like toughness two or whatever. So. Yeah, because it's silly. Um, Hiretsuna, the Bakamono ninja. It's small. small. Did you know? <laughs> we. News just in. Right. Um, the following models are available to be recruited by Minamoto Warband in addition to any other factions on the cards. So the Minamoto aren't out yet. Hopefully they'll be out really soon. Um, but the following Ronin are available to them Kappa, the Grey Pilgrim, Yukio Koshimori, Golden Sentinel, Yichi, Ji, Yanjing, and Toshiro. That's really testing my pronunciation there. I've been probably all that, wrong. That's the sisters, isn't it? Yes, yeah, the sisters. Yeah. Toshiro's the New. guy with all the weapons. Yeah, he's um, yeah. Yujimbo, okay. basically. Yujimbo. Okay. Have you not? You, you must have seen the uh, Akira Kurosawa movie Yujimbo. No. So, what were you doing? Uh, I, I, I briefly wanted to say something else, which we'll come back to it at, yeah. at a, at a, at a like, was it something insulting to Graham? No, no, okay, not no, not inherently. I've got a few, um, <laughs> uh, which you're going to come back to at some other point when we talk about uh, army building and list construction, just sort of in general. Okay. But the fact that most of the Ronin models don't fit into themes, yeah, yeah. probably means that most factions are just not going to use Ronins because there is there is more order of the battle being used than there have been. I think order of the battle is amazing. It, yes, in theory, but you. I think, A, you need to have a plan, like a very specific plan for why you're doing it. Mm. A, you also need to be quite experienced in the game before it's worth doing. Yeah. What I think that Order and you have to think about it a lot. you do is it lets you construct uh, a list which is biased towards one particular type of um, yes. uh, scenario. Yes, play, play style of scenario or whatever, and, and then, then when you run into your silver bullet, you your way yeah. out of that. Um, sorry, Adam, you uh, no, I was just going to say before we move off that list, I find it really interesting that the Great Pilgrim's in there because Ooh. currently she has two alt alt profiles, one for Ryu and one for Temple. Yeah, and she's not technically running because she has profile yeah. types that allow her to be able to be played in in, in those. Oh, that's, yeah, um, future proofing, I guess. That is a good point. But yeah. so I don't know which of the uh, Great the Pilgrims it is, uh, or I, I, if there's going to be a third. And one. I guess this might be future proofing. Which just means you can buy the model and you know you'll be able to use it in your Minamoto Warband. Yeah, but he might just make a unified profile and make her a run-in in the next edition. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. So, I, I would say actually wild speculation. Okay, so if we take if we take the, literally, and this is tends to be the way you need to read Bushido stuff, the following models are available to be recruited by Minamoto warbands in addition to any so, other factions on their cards. So you could use either, either but Grey Pilgrim. Okay, currently, yeah. Cool. But that's what I mean with it might just be future proofing and there might just be yeah. one. Right, moving swiftly on. Generic card pack one. The ch- Okay, so there's no change here. Elixir of Vigor, it says, uh, it already said, <laughs> add restriction prefecture of Ryu. Lots of people have, have questioned this, seeming to misunderstand restriction and exclusion. Yeah. So it says, note, this means only prefecture models may use this card. This is already in the rule book. Honestly, I, people should already know this if they read the rules carefully. So people don't. Well, no, it's true. I don't read the rules carefully. Well, well I know. Hey, who reads the rules when they're agreeing to stuff online? Yeah, that's, a little, <laughs> that's a little less interesting, to be fair. But uh, so, yes, if something says restriction, it means it can only be used with things which have that type or mm. faction or whatever. And re- re- read it as restricted to, yeah. which actually would be a fairly easy way of writing yeah, sure. it and then everyone would know what you're talking about sure um, okay so that's actually all of the errata now we're into the FAQ section which where things might get a little interesting um, I feel like I'm going to leave the first one until last because I think that might get it's the um, most complicated one yeah so I'm going to swap straight to Yan Jing one of the sisters with the bow has brutal range does this mean all models with brutal X gain the bonus on their range attacks no it doesn't if you've got Brutal, it's Brutal Millie. Unless it says Brutal Range. Yeah, it's basically the only model. It's basically, they've, they've updated the way you want to do Brutal, but because it's new, the only model it applies to is her, really, because everyone else has just been giving Brutal on melee. So, there you go. Um, it does note uh, this happened later in the life of this edition, so the default should be Millie only. Uh, okay, so if a model targets itself with a simple a heal, simple action, where can it move to? And then the answer is, if it if a t- model targets itself with a heal action, it cannot move. So this is, it is in the text of the heal thing anyway, because it says you can move towards the targeted model. Yes. Well, obviously, if you target yourself, you can't move towards yourself any more than you already... Yeah, you, you're yourself. Oh, so. this, 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 caused, this caused joy around this table because none of us like Gok. Of course, yeah. all of us had misread the way that Gok... Oh, sorry, the, this rule. Yeah. And so, uh, including James... Who can't defend himself because he's not here? Um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so he clearly time. was just cheating. <laughs> uh, so obviously he was cutting uh, Gok twice and then moving and healing. Yeah. What it now means is, that, yeah, he can cut Gok twice and heal him, but he can't move at the same time. Yeah. Which means that that aura that he can pop isn't as far up the table, which we're all happy about. Yeah, I, I still think there's a thematic problem with ease. models with Conspiracy of the Cult cutting themselves for key and then healing yes. themselves. It just seems a bit weird to me. Yes. But However... At least it's been made less efficient. It's not a balance issue now, I don't think, so that's fine. Uh, okay. Some Silvermoon models have a unique effect that is basically the fortune trait. They are worded slightly differently. Is this intended? <laughs> it's another Adam one. Uh, <laughs> use the fortune wording for all such models. So this is essentially saying yeah. all models that refer to essentially this sort of mechanic, mechanic did... errata them so they're just using fortune trait. Yes, because I wasn't looking at the fortune wording in the errata when I was looking at um, yeah. a couple of the STS models to um, see what might happen when Zoe channels to them. Um, 
and show <laughs> yeah. it. when they gain key rather than generate key. <laughs> so I, I had my testing head on uh, the other night, and uh, this is the result. So yes, it does specifically state not to. Uh, cool. And I, I wasn't. That seems fine. Yeah. Um, many feats say this feat may only be used once a turn. If your multiple models with the same feat can be can be each use at once. Okay, and this is yeah. another Adam, isn't it? Say again. <laughs> it's models with a feat that says this feat can only be used once a turn the question is basically if I have multiple models with the same feat can they each use it and the answer to that is yes, yes. Oh, I asked that an awful long time ago yeah. but everything in Bushido is, everything in Bushido is card mm. specific yeah. really so it, a, yeah. card, a card is self-contained Yeah, just oh. think of it like that that's pretty good point uh, the only exceptions really are com- communal cards such as the Bakamono Horde card so I asked this at the Masters you can only summon one Bakamono a turn. Okay. Even if you've got enough key to summon three, okay. you can only ever summon one. Um, because yeah, but, it's a communal card. So again, but, it's but, the card. But again, it's like it's, each card is self-contained. Yeah. This card can do this X amount of times. In most cases, once. How's it? Oh. Yeah, I suppose boosting is different because the boost is on the actual Bakamono card rather than... Yes, yes, it's on the individual yeah, models cards. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have a communal key... key, key. Um, pool pool as well I was going to say pile keepies yeah keepies you have keepies <laughs> so what happens when a model uses combo attack against a model with the rise trait well this is obviously a clarification we, we of the errata we talked about this um, but it does it is worth pointing out that it re- reverses a previous ruling yeah so it says as soon as one of the damage rolls reduces this model to zero wounds make the rise test if passed the combo attack continues and may result in further rise tests yeah so uh, Toby had previously ruled the other way in 2013 which was I think when this edition came out yeah uh, and, and back then I don't think that Rise was uh, as much being as seen con- quite so often as much as a concern yeah so I, I think yeah. that's fine um, what happens when due to extraordinary combination of effects a model has no legal action to choose when activated uh, doesn't get to do anything it, we, it basically says uh, it immediately becomes exhausted. So this is what happened that we were talking about yeah. with uh, aggressive... Which is where I thought it hadn't changed because I'd, I'd read that. I basically went straight to the to the end and read the FAQs <laughs> and then vaguely scanned the errata. So this, this I mean, Jason's added this in to just, just basically, if the programming breaks, this is how you, re- you deal yeah. with it. Fine. I kind of feel like most of that's been resolved now anyway. Yes, but yeah, but it's it's good to have it again. because then at least people will know. Mm. Oh, how do we resolve this? Uh, you resolve it by not doing anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's the same reason you have tie breaks in there, isn't it? Yeah, or when this happens, so it's obviously tie breaks happen quite frequently. Um, okay, so in corner deployment scenarios, how is a player's half of the board determined, and it's diagonally. Um, exactly how you would imagine it to you get well, I think actually the ruling at the Masters was that it was done horizontally oh that's really weird yeah and which uh, with Death and Decay and the uh, Desecrated oh. Grave led to some interesting stuff so that would be yeah so, it's so, quite awkward yeah so that's essentially just clarifying that and fixing the it the fact that. that yes if you're using a diagonal board setup you use diagonal table halves yeah, just because you're setting up in one corner doesn't necessarily mean it's a diagonal setup, does it? No, but so it, it does need does. to be clarified. Okay, we're on to the biggie, and I'm going to read it, read it all through. Oh, ask me the question. 
Can a model use a feat in step 2 or 8 of a melee exchange to change the initiative and swap the order of the attackers? These feats would be used in step 2. Since they are generally only used by the person without the initiative, at least to any effect, that person will declare first. Use the feat and immediately the opponent will have to declare. It is possible for the initiative to change several times during step 2. The step 8 use of key feats is for key feats that affect the damage roll. While you could use a feat here that would change the initiative, the order of attacks has now been set, so it would mostly be wasted. So, this is where Adam's going to pipe up, I think. <laughs> we, we, we talked about it earlier. Yeah, so you pointed out that essentially initiative's only really checked for once, and that is prior to step one of the yes. exchange. It explains how you work out who the main attacker is, and at the point of doing key feats, you've already ascertained who the attacker is. Yeah. So and, and it, it's not gaining, re, it's not rechecked again. So there's no gaining lightning reflexes is completely pointless at that point because you're not then going to recheck for who the attacker is. So it doesn't revert anything. It just adds it to your card. You yeah. wasted key. So whilst I think from the like the way it's currently written and from the programming point of view, you're right. However, this Q and A. I would argue it's actually more of an errata than a Q&A and maybe should be integrated into the mm. errata, but maybe that brings on its own fundamental issues. Um, what it's actually saying is that you can change the order of initiative in step two. Yeah. I mean, you can maybe add that as an errata to the end of step two. Just say, if initiative has changed due to key feats, then yeah. well, mm. it's changed. Um, what this So at the moment, what you would do is you go, okay... This model is moving into base contact with you. Okay, now you use your uh, lightning reflexes uh, or or a feat which gives you lightning reflexes. Or first strike. Um, Exactly. But prior to us starting the melee exchange. I think what this essentially does is just make it a little bit friendlier to deal with where you... Because there's no action that you take. You don't pick up dice or anything which defines the start of a melee exchange. No. So yeah, actually, the way it is currently, you could end up with an argument where someone goes, "I'm going to use uh, I'm going to use Cobra's uh, Asp Strike, and I'm getting lightning reflexes." And the person says, "We well, can't do that because we've started the melee exchange." Yeah, I've right. rotated your model. That yeah. comes after. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Determining who is the. And so I think this probably gets around that a little it, bit. It, it gives it a, a specific place in the timing sequence where yeah. this is the last step this can happen at. And also, you kind of need to have. Because I said, oh, why don't you just move checking the initiative until later? Well, you need to define who's going to declare things first, declare yeah. use of key feats first. So you sort of need to check multiple times for initiative. And I think. At least if you want it to be able to change. Yeah, and I think it should be able to change. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. It's just the way that Bushido is written, it is. It, it, does, it doesn't actually work. So, yeah. yeah. I think actually, it's probably. I think for me, it would have been better to have just said, uh, declare it before. And your opponent has to accept that until you've gotten to step two or something, or you know, until you've both agreed that the melee has started, that you can still declare it at that point. Because I feel like um, if you've already determined the order and then you change the order, then all of that key feat stuff has happened out of order and things as well. So, but it hasn't. If if, if the initiative just changes, the, the key feats aren't yeah. necessarily happened out of order they happened in the order that was yeah, right at the time I, I, I'm, like, I'm fine with you you establish yeah. who's the attacker right okay that you have a set, set a set sequence of events you do in step two that order might change like the order of the attack and defender mm. might change but that is the only step in the sequence where it can change yeah 
Sure. Like, that is fine, but you're right, technically, because it changes rules rather than clarifies, aspects of that question is an errata. Does it matter? Uh, probably not. No, it doesn't, as long as people read it. Yeah. And that's the real thing. I mean... Yeah, but so, but now but but for that to matter that it's an errata rather than that would require people to have quite a detailed understanding of the flow of a melee exchange anyway. Which, let's be honest, most people know how to do it, but probably couldn't break it down step by step for you. Look, I played this game for about two, maybe three years, thinking that the opposed key tests and melee exchanges you'd roll the same. Like if you got uh, a six, a five, and a two. You'd still rolled an eight in a yeah. in, in like a fear test. Well, yeah. I, I I was completely wrong because yeah, that's yeah because, no no because well we all know it. You you read a rule book, you go like oh, you read up until the point where you sort of feel like I got this, and then you encounter something that looks like something you read previously. And you're like oh that's the same. I don't need to read this. Turns out you don't got this. Yeah yeah it's, yeah. So it's why reading the a new edition is tricky because you'll frequently make use previous language, and then you go like oh I know this entire section. Yeah, skip past, and suddenly I was like, "Oh, there's fundamental changes in the middle." I missed. That's why it's super important to have like videos and things where people go, "Right, these are the things which have changed." Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens when uh, when they get into a new edition. So that is. Um... Then I'll glue it back on. Um, okay, so uh, that is that. Really, uh, I will. Once this goes public, I'll integrate it into the PDF that I've been doing for the last couple of years. Yes. Um, and put that which, out. Which so everyone's nice use. and clear. Mm. It is handy. What I will say about that is it's not the Bible for Bushido. No, but... I it, do screw up on it, but and it I is need really, to be corrected when that happens. But it is really handy. Yeah. You should always... If, if things are getting towards arguments, always check the actual rulebook and the errata. But it should at least be a handy guide. Um and if people feedback to me, then it should uh, be just as accurate as those other two documents. Right. Um, I think that's... I th- that's well, that, that, was, really. that was all of the red text. Yeah. So I think we're done. Cool. Right. So I think Adam and Graham now are going to play um, a little Silver Moon against uh, Minamoto, which uh, a little play test. hopefully we'll see publicly soon. But uh, I'm just going to give them a little play test now. Um Right, so thank you for joining us. Thanks to Graham. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to Adam. Yeah, see you, everyone. Uh, you won't see them, this is audio. Yeah, it's audio. And yeah, I might see them, they might turn up to Masters and stuff. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, they'll come to Adam, Adam's in, in house. In fact, most of the people listening are probably people I've met. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small community. There, there, there's a high likelihood of that. Oh, shut up then. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Bye. 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 Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com, at RDE underscore podcast at Twitter, and Robot Dice Explosion.